0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Inside Trek. This is the Mangotalks podcast where we give you the inside trek on all things Star Trek. I am your host Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my
1: host BJ. BJ, how are you? I am doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Traveling this week. I'm on the road, uh, doing the road show, but committed to the pod. Why? Because there's obviously a lot of people who really need to hear our thoughts about episode three of a show that debuted in 1993.
1: I. It, this is this is important stuff, um, and. I mean, I I feel like there is a uh, tongue in cheek aspect to this, but I will say that a lot of I really appreciate how prescient a lot of the themes that are in this show are. Um, Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah, I got that uh, all through my notes. um, That it's it's super kind of relevant. And you guys, you know, because I didn't know like the the so for those just joining the podcast for the first time. The general concept behind this is I don't know the Star Trek universe, but I love geek fandom. Like I'm into Star Trek. I'm into or I'm into Star Wars. I'm into like Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time. Name it. And I've tried to get into it. So Star Trek is kind of, um, oh, here we go. The final frontier <laughs> for me uh, to get into nerddom. And BJ's helping me. This is an episode by episode rewatch of Deep Space Nine that gets me into the Star Trek universe. But in talking about which Star Trek piece we would we would cover you and our friend Spencer and some other folks all told me kind of uniformly it's the most political of the Star Trek shows that's what I kept hearing
1: um it's the most political and it's I think it has the best long story longer storylines so there are actual story arcs there's there's a there's a character development arcs there are people you can root for there are interesting things that, that happen over quark
0: people I can root for quark. I'm not burying the lead. That's my guy.
1: Uh, so, so I'm curious to see, you know, your, your thoughts on, we, we got a new character this this episode that is, that is probably my series favorite. So I'm not going to bury that lead either. Uh, Oh, is
0: it the, is it the rebel? Is it the guy who's trying to blow everybody up?
1: Uh, that's exactly who it is. It's the terrorist that we never see again. So.
0: (laughs) Oh, so it's not him. So who, all right, well, maybe we'll get to it when we get there. I can just tell you that like, so far Quark is my guy. Uh, I just love that. Like he kind of got like elbowed a little bit, like, Hey, make this, I need you to make a bar. And he's like, I gotcha. I will make a bar. And it's like a very (laughs) super nice functional bar with gambling. Um, it's a little part of this that I really enjoy. So yeah, we're on episode three, past prologue. We did the first episode, which is considered episode one and two. And it really felt like a made for TV movie. It was like a two hour thing. We did that. We covered that last episode. I think we're moving on now to more standard 45 minute episodes where they aired for an hour. um, And that's kind of where we're at. And it also has that like early nineties, mid nineties feel of Yes, we are going to, very West Wing in this way, right? Like, we are going to show you season-long or series-long threads. Like, it, it is it is a serial. Like, the, we go, it's not completely episodic, but there certainly is an episodic element to it.
1: Yeah, um, there's an episodic element, and there's a very much an order element that West Wing had a little bit, um, but... And that's where, you know, I think the real departure is from The Next Generation, which I think was airing concurrently, um, but we, um, which is, you know, they, they very much wrap each storyline up at that episode. Every so often you had a to-be-continued, usually like, uh, you know, uh, the series finale or, or, you know, season finale or whatever had like a to-be-continued yeah. and stuff like that. But pretty much there weren't many two-part episodes.
0: Right. Um, I expect that from the storytelling for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to get a whole lot of two episode stories where it's like a to be continued. But there there are going to be uh, a bunch of episodes that deal with like one topic and there'll be like a recurring topic um, that is, you know, B-plot or whatever uh, for Mm -hmm. for a number of of episodes. And um, yeah, and we start to get that. So, you know, I'm excited. And we already got a little bit in, in, you know, the TV movie in episode one where, you know, there's this ongoing conflict between the Bajorans and the Cardassians. And and that's going to be, you know, just something that goes on for for a whole lot of uh, this Star Trek. And, you know, that's sort of one of the big running themes that we'll have.
0: Yeah, I I can. Yeah, I'm sort of picking up on that. So this is episode three, past prologue. We're going to go through a recap of the episode. During the recap, we'll kind of break it down, talk about what we liked, didn't like, um, sort of themes that we're picking up on. PJ will continue to educate me on the Star Trek universe. I ask a lot of questions (laughs) during the recap. And then we will move on to our segments. Uh, I think the I'm gonna continue the segment for a little while of expectations versus reality what I expected with Star Trek and what I'm getting yeah. with the show I'm gonna do that probably until I don't know maybe midway through this first season and then maybe we'll cut that off and you have a couple segments to us for us too right
1: uh, yeah um, I have uh, how spicy is Odo and um, then then we're gonna be debuting uh, uh, Every time we see this character, we're going to have a, what's Garrick up to? Uh, of Garrick
0: is your guy. Okay. Garrick is All my right. guy. All right. I like Garrick a lot. I was just about to say that because when we start with the recap, which we can begin now, we yeah. start with Garrick talking to Dr. Bashir. And I did not, was he, I know Garrick was in the last episode, right? Like he was.
1: Uh, he might have just sort of been on screen at some point, but like he, he I don't think he had an even talking part.
0: Okay, because this was really, I felt like this was the Garrick episode. I mean, obviously there's a lot of Kira yeah. and we can talk about the Kira character, but the <laughs> Garrick, Garrick character was really compelling. So we start with him talking to Dr. Bashir and he, Dr. Bashir is just awkward. Like they basically have got got it nailed that this is a right out of college kid, eager, yep. And can be manipulated and moved. And Garrick clearly picked up on that. He's super fake-seeming. And I think it's to let the audience in on what he's doing right away. And then he kind of turns to condescending. And the whole point he's saying is like, we're just going to be buddies, right? Me and you. Just a couple of pals.
1: Um, So there's an undertone that I find very interesting, which is Garrick is... Almost seems like he's flirting with Bashir. A little
0: bit, plain, simple Garrick.
1: Yep. Um, And he also like you, like you, the audience. Like there's sort of a nod to the audience. Like there's more to this character than meets the eye. But like there's also a, hey, there's more. But like we're not gonna tip a hand and tell you like. Who he is?
0: Yeah. So the my favorite thing they've done with the Garrett character, and we will we won't spend this much time on every scene, but like we're we're breaking down Garrett for the first time, is that they have this haha veneer of the the that he's just sells clothes, right? Like that's his that's the front. And it, I'm going to probably draw a million wrestling references during this podcast because I always do. It reminds yep. me of like currently in wrestling, there's a character, Paul Heyman, who's just like, he, the whole, th- the reason it works so well is because he leans into slimy. He doesn't hide. The slimy isn't an undertone. He's leaning into slimy. Oh, yeah. And like, that's what this guy is like. Hey, like, you know, it's all so super fake and At the same time, like, he's leaning into it so hard, I I can't be mad at it. So I I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. And, like, just his, you're not intimating that I'm some sort of spy. And it's just, like, yeah. Not a spy,
0: huh? (laughs) Is that what you meant? Yeah, it was fantastic.
1: Um, And then I I just love his, he switches from, like, over-interest, smarmy, to so condescending when he's when and I just love this quote because it's so such a like comment on who Bashir is I'm so glad to have made such an interesting new friend today and like Bashir was just like the worst like companion and just like Mm -hmm. barely talking like I don't know what's going on and it's just I don't know it's all sorts of fun
0: Yeah. I don't know. Sort of reminded me of like my time in like high school and college where like in high school and college I was a big fan. because I've always I've always loved nerds and geeks like and and I wish I like aspire to be one. Like I don't say it in a derogatory way at all. Yeah. And I would always just find like the guy who was like reading, you know, some sort of like Star Wars legend book from like 1991. And I'd be like, you get in the car with me. We're going to a party like that's kind (laughs) of the feel here with Garrett because he kind of takes over Bashir and he's like, nope, we're just going to be friends. And there's kind of nothing. You need to say about it. Bashir then thinks he's got like this intel. So he goes to Cisco and he's like, hey, hey, check this out. And Cisco's like, yeah, don't think I'm too interested in that. Be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't think there's much there. And he, he sort of gives him the stiff arm. And then we get this scene where a Cardassian ship is firing on a Bajoran ship. Kira, of course, sees it first and they let him dock. Uh, well, he doesn't, they, they he doesn't dock, right? They, they phaser him in or whatever the hell that's called? Yeah, what is so, the thing? so
1: uh, transporter. Uh, yeah, so phasers transport is like shooting him guns, guns, right? Yes, phasers are the guns. Okay. And his ship gets blown up by the Cardassians. So this yeah. is in the, like, um, different nations or, or empires or, you know, different peoples have different space. And so um, it's sort of stuff that they control. So I would say there's less of, like, it's less of, like, international waters and more of, like, a land border that, that is sort of how they deal with space. There are some places that they'll have, like, a buffer zone or whatever, but for the, yeah. a lot of it, it's just, like, there are sort of hard-drawn lines. Um, I think it's sort of, like, territorial waters, um, and very often they'll, like, abut a neighboring uh, government
0: very easy concept for me to get they do it the same thing as star wars like that there's like kind of that you i mean i think they even call it airspace here but like that's a like crazy because it's not air but like yeah there it's like space space it's like yeah. this is my this is this is my space in space and you're not allowed to like come into it and yet they kind of have this a similar thing in star wars which i don't know how you would tell a story like this about you know competing warring worlds and and tra- space travel and that stuff without some sort of delineation of like where your ships are supposed to go and where like a safe area for you that makes sense to me um so this is obviously a story about these warring empires um tangent on netflix right now there's a alexander the great show have you seen this i have not okay so they actually spent the money for like a real big budget like you know, like you see Alexander and you see all the historical pieces and like they're shooting the whole thing, like a show. Yeah. But they've decided to cut it like a history channel documentary where like in the middle of the scenes, you see like a professor from Stanford sitting in a chair being like, you know, and Alexander really, he took very seriously his role as son (laughs) in the family. And then it cuts to the actual show. It's, it's, absolutely insane like you, you have to i i know this has absolutely nothing to do with this other than the fact a really weird segue of the fact it's like warring empires but like yeah it's a strange way of telling a story that they've spent millions of dollars yeah for the for the reenactment scenes and they cut it with history channel lecture
1: that's pretty so anyway,
0: great <laughs> yeah it, you'd hate it um sorry right, that's that's the that's the opening sequence we get a shot of the space station and we get the credits. Um yep. I don't know about you. Are are you watching this on Paramount? Are you how are you watching
1: this? I am watching it on Paramount.
0: Did you get a commercial for Halo season 2? Uh
1: so I got a commercial for some sort of movie. I didn't get Halo.
0: Um, okay. I got Halo season 2. Yeah. Um I, interesting another interesting uh, storytelling <laughs> piece of storytelling. Choice, yeah. Yeah. Halo TV series, yeah.
1: Not so uh, good. Yeah. Choices were made there. Uh
0: Maybe so, season 2 is
1: better. The interesting thing that I really appreciate that they did um, is they changed the opening credits from the first episode and now they've added in the wormhole. So they didn't want the wormhole to be there in the opening credits for the first episode or two episodes because then it's a spoiler um, and it's... A fun little thing that, that they probably like they decided to spend some money
0: on. I like that. Yeah, it's a good call out. Secure's given an update on this guy. His name is uh Tana. Cone, Tan and Tana. Tana and he is <clears throat> Tana Los and he is from Cone Ma, which yes. is a or he at least was in Cone Ma at some point, which seems like a very like um what was that what was that group in Northern Ireland that was um Uh, the the Northern Ireland, um, quote, terrorist group.
1: Uh, Um, Yeah, it started with a C. Uh,
0: It's kind of like that, where it's like, we all know of this organization and they kind of have a bad reputation, even though they might be fighting on the side of like a independence that needs to probably happen.
1: Yeah, Uh, so the IRA and then... IRA, that's it, there you go. Aaron. Well, no, that's not right. But anyway, there was like the political wing and stuff like that. So, um,
0: yeah, I was thinking kind of, IRA. Yeah, that yeah. was what I, that's what was blank. I was blanking on. But like, that's kind of the concept here. Is like, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people in this world would agree the Bajorans should have had independence from the Cardassians. But it seems like they might have gone. They might have broke some Geneva conventions. Um, you know, with with this deal, and so Cisco asked Kira. If she was a part of it, like he kind of pulls her aside and he's like, Hey, I need yeah. you to really know if I not really know if you're a part of it. I'm not sure she's a, with what we learned in the rest of the episode. I'm not sure she's hundred percent honest here with him about her past, but she is probably honest with him about her present, which is like, I am, I'm not with them now. I'm here with you. Like I'm doing this thing. Like I'm trying to work within the system basically. And that's yeah. like a big theme of the episode is that you have this guy who is continuing to fight which kira calls the old ways um which is really you know fight the power there is no success other than complete and utter independence for bajor and then there's kira who's like no we have to be realistic about these things um shout out joe amber we have to be realistic (laughs) about these things and you have to work within this system and try to make this work and i think that that's like a like you me you and our friends have arguments about this yeah like it, that that reaps, that seeps into our political, uh, like, conversations of, like, do you just wholly, I don't like the slate of candidates, I just reject them, yeah. I'm done, I'm just going to sit vote in for my the best house, one. Yeah. or do you vote for the best one, do you work within the system, right? And that's kind of what we're getting here with Kira.
1: Yeah, um, and I think it's also, like, a really interesting, Um, I can't remember if they they talk about it, I think they talk about it soon, but it's the... um. What does winning look like?
0: Mm, Yeah, they they do have that conversation.
1: Yeah, Um, and it's a very interesting sort of concept. With you know the freedom fighter versus terrorist versus um, you know once you have an established government, how do you bring it bring people into the fold and you know convince them that they won or you know that that this is what winning looks like.
0: And I think that's wrapped into Kira's point at the end of the episode where she's like, I don't even, it was easier when I knew who I was fighting. Yeah. You know, because like now the Cardassians are like, they're out, kind of, and they're like sort of somebody they can work with occasionally, which they do work with them a little bit here toward the end of the episode. Yeah, Um, The Klingons seem fucking nuts. We'll get to them in a second. (laughs) And, you know, the Bajorans have problems. And then you have the Federation, which also seems to be, if it does it, if if the people in the federation that we have seen aren't immediately problematic, which I I think there's an argument to say that they aren't. Yeah. At least the organization itself is a tad paternalistic and frustrating for people like her who who believe in like complete independence for their planet.
1: Yeah, and you know I I, I think that you know as we mentioned in the first episode there are a lot of you know very easy direct comparisons to like a UN type organization which has its faults and has its benefits and and you know you sort of see a lot of that in what's going on in this like small smaller conflict.
0: Yeah, it feels like when they were telling this story they were thinking of the UN with the federation, right? Um or at least some sort of like they they were probably basing it in a, in, a, in the same concept of like yeah, this is yeah. this is like like maybe this is like forward thinking like this is happening at some point on the planet like yeah and that's what they're representing
1: i think this is sort of the idealized future version of like what it could be in like in the same universe as uh like west wing politics
0: yeah i know I, I'm going to have to rewatch this is election year. I'm going to have to rewatch West Wing when I get a little closer to the election. always like, always like <laughs> yeah. gives me, brings me a little bit of hope, um, even though it's completely fake. But if you live, the, live in it for a little while, you can at least feel good.
1: And I feel like that's, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of what Star Trek is about. It's like an idealized version. Uh, I mean, much more like the next generation and in, in the original series. And this is a little bit more like, realistic, but still an idealized version of like what we could achieve in terms of like in interpersonal relationships and technology and things like that.
0: Yeah. I was having that, that thought even with w- just watching the character Cisco operate this episode, because yeah. he seems like an idealized version of how people in power would operate. He seems like a real throwback to like what we might expect somebody um, in power uh, and, and and for the, for a moment, I'm setting aside the race issue, like for somebody in power to like operate in like 1910 or something, you know, that's sort of like, I still have to be like cordial to people and like respectful and not, yeah. you know, just completely undercut people and, you know, scream and yell. And it, he he just comports himself in a way that, that seems aspirational. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So go, go ahead.
1: And I was going to say, and, but we get a little bit of that realism sort of right here, where, like, they're working with the Cardassians a little bit, and they're like, hey, all right, Doc, and, you know, we'll sort this thing out. Yes, you know, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You were pursuing somebody that, you know, where you didn't have authority. So come in and Doc, and we'll work this out. And then he turns to um, his... Uh, security officer basically slash engineer and says, all right, we'll make sure we have enough docking regulations in place that he's going to be held up for long enough for me to start sorting out what's going on here.
0: Yeah, it seems like the Cardassians really need the three D's, right? of the state department they need they they clearly have the concept of defense down they've got that but they but but diplomacy and development they really struggle with right like they they clearly didn't do a particularly good job with development with Pejor because they got they made the Pejorian so hot to trot they kicked him out and now the diplomacy piece is really lacking because it seems like the real problem here is a lack of information like the the Cardassians get immediately get on the line with cisco was like Step down. Fuck you. I'm taking this guy. Like instead of saying, hey, like let me dock and tell you exactly how dangerous this guy is. Because we we have yeah. the suspicion here and we should work together. They don't seem. Now, there's probably backstory why they don't trust the Federation, which I'm interested in. But they're, in that exact moment, more diplomacy would have only helped the situation. Yeah. So that's what happens. Um, and then we get a number of scenes with Kira and Tana. That's that guy's name, right? Tana. Yep,
1: Tana Tana Loss. I, I assume Loss is Tana his Loss. like last name, um. But
0: and in, in the number of the number of these conversations, she's he's kind of like, I always felt like in these conversations he was needling her more than necessary. <clears throat> um, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the Kira character. I'm not a big fan of how it's acted. It seems over the top. The acting, yeah. but she's being she's trying to support somebody who just keeps moving the goalpost on her and keeps needling her. And say like, you know, cause he, he clearly has an underlying disrespect for her current position that he cannot hide. Although yeah. he's trying to move her toward these particular positions. We eventually get to a point where she's just like, Hey, look, I'm sticking my neck out for you. Are you still in And He's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I've renounced it. And I kind of believed him in the moment. I got, I got a little duped.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that her character is is such a hard character to play not over the top when TV used to be less must-see TV. And so, like, you know from, like, this interaction that she's part of the Bajoran government, but not comfortably so. Like, you don't have to have... The stuff that you had from the last episode where she basically railed a bit against the government that she like tells truth to power and stuff like that. She's just like, yeah, hey, I was a freedom fighter and now I'm part of the government and I'm not really comfortable in either role. And so, yeah, I think it's overacted. And yeah, I think now I think if this were done now, but with a lot of this similar writing, it would have been a less overacted part because you could expect people to watch the entire thing all the way through. Yeah. Ex- you, you have
0: this strange middle ground that television lived in from like 19, like 50, 60 to like the early two thousands when you started to have these hour long dramas that people poured over and, and, and watched every second of yeah. that middle ground of like, it wasn't what we have today, which is in a lot of when it's done well, it's pretty nuanced and, and it's understated. And it's not quite stage acting. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and she probably was, you know, that probably was how she was trained to just operate on television. I, I agree with that. Um, we, in that conversation where she's like, I'm sticking my neck out for you, he does he does introduce the concept for the first time that if there were some assurances from Cisco and the Federation of uh, Asylum, which he is granted, right? Cisco doesn't grant him uh, temporary asylum, so protection. Um yeah. That he he could bring more people in. He could bring more of the KonMai in.
1: So uh, there are a couple of things. One, um, does Cisco actually grant him asylum? And my argument is that- He says he does. He tells the Cardassian, right, that he's granting him asylum, temporary asylum, until right. they figure it out.
0: Yeah, he does tell him that, yeah. So, you call Cisco a liar? Uh yeah. Shout I'm, out! <laughs> what a take.
1: So, I I think that this is. I mean, and and part of this is, you know, I've seen a lot more of the character, but like, I don't think he's filling out paperwork as soon as this guy gets on board to to submit to the provisional government or to the federation about that, that he's taking a, you know, somebody in for political asylum.
0: He, you know, he might have that on the to-do. That yeah. might be a to-do. That may be a to-do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I guess. No, yes, you're right. Not so much a lie, but like a, here's the situation that you're walking into as the Cardassian captain. So you need to, to stand out because So in
0: that respect maybe he isn't lying at all cuz he does say I am granting them like I yeah, will sure. be doing this, right? Yeah yeah. Um yeah, so maybe you're maybe you're right. Um the, we get two females coming in. I'll say it one time and I'll never say it again in the rest of the series uh, because I know what they were op- the budget kind of kind of budget they were operating with in 1993. <clears throat> but the Klingons look too close to the Cardassians for me. They they look too close. I it's hard to tell them apart. Uh I would have preferred Something that made them more distinct because I thought these were two Cardassians to start with. That's it. I'll never say it again, but these okay. are two Cardassians. And I'll tell you this about the Cardassians are the Klingons. Klingons. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned this. I've learned this about the Klingons. Yep. Um, aggressive people, really yep. aggressive. They are, man, it's a, it's a lot. The Klingons yeah. are a lot.
1: Uh, so the Klingons are a lot. Um, so the, in these modern episodes, of Star Trek you're gonna have Klingons are usually gonna have darker skin they're gonna have forehead ridges as opposed to whatever's going on with the Cardassian forehead um, we
0: a lot of forehead have, stuff
1: yeah uh, and so and the Cardassians are pretty much always gonna look gray green I think you're supposed to get like a little bit of a lizard vibe uh, from them interesting um, and Klingons are basically generally going to be wearing some sort of armor, um, and usually in like metal and black leather kind of kind of deal. Yeah, um, and they made some hot topic choices for the female Klingons here. Um, they they do step back a little bit, as I remember, in in terms of uh, those let's say provocative choices that they made.
0: Um, yeah there's some cleavage <clears throat> there was some cleavage shown in, in, in this yeah. which I found interesting considering how they operate and then how they uh, dealt with the suggestion of lingerie they, uh, they're super aggressive <laughs> they did yep. have this sort of like 1990s goth look <clears throat> um, I am now able to tell them apart from the Cardassians so uh, yeah. credit to me and uh, Odo comes in to tell Cisco that the two Klingons are from the Dusar family Yep. And Cisco knows who they are. And he says, Yeah, they basically they basically tried a coup. They were fought off. Now they're on the run. And that's who these two are. Cisco knows his stuff.
1: Uh, uh, Odo posits
0: so, uh, putting them in jail and calling the Klingon High Council. Uh, mm-hmm. So we get a little bit into Cisco's, um, <laughs> what, or Odo, I mean, and yeah. how Odo sort of thinks about stuff. Cause he's very like, Yeah, we'll just throw them in jail and just go tell the people. And he's like, and Cisco's like, Maybe we'd not do that. That's like, that's going to be an incident. So,
1: yeah. That's so, uh, a couple things. One, um, we'll probably we'll get a bit more much later in the series, but um, the Klingons are uh, have basically moved to something more of a constitutional monarchy, um, but
0: huh. I
1: think are sort of supposed to represent some thoughts on maybe like a, a Japanese Empire kind of thing. There are a lot of you know, powerful families of warriors that, you know, prove their mettle, uh, have an emperor. Um, There's a lot cut up in in honor and, uh, like, blood oaths and things like that. Um, And then they have, like, a whole section of, like, martial arts and things like that that they're uh, very entrenched in. Um, And so there are often uh like political things that happen along with people that you know don't follow like the main groups and so that they're associating with terrorists and and doing a lot more like mercantile wheelings and dealings are a bit more common for the not uh main society klingons
0: okay that's helpful to know a little bit about the klingon um Background that that that's yeah. helpful. I, yeah, they um, yeah, they're interesting. They were a little caricaturish to start with, and I just got the yeah. sense that there we we were supposed to know that we were supposed to know a little enough about them that that didn't seem um shallow, right? Because there clearly is a backstory to the Klingons, and so they're yeah. just showing up and just being like hyper aggressive. If you know nothing about the story, they seem like a relatively shallow yeah. people and character, but if you have the backstory, then they're not.
1: There's a little bit more. So the original series, the Klingons were one of the main enemies of the uh, Federation. Um, and during the next generation, there's a lot more peace going on um, with the the Klingon Empire um, and a lot of, you know, somewhat fraught interactions because they're like a newer uh, part of a, a newer species that there's like a, an established peace with.
0: Yeah, so Odo comes into Odo tells Sisko all that stuff, right? And then mm-hmm. um, then we get a Quark sighting, killing it. He's doing his his thing. We did Quark is in the episode. Yeah, uh, Doctor Bashir goes to talk to Garrick at Quark's, and they're like an up, in an upstairs area. Garrick comments on the Klingon sense of style. Garrick says their outfits are worthy of studying closely. Garrick is just dropping these little things. We got to study their <laughs> outfits really closely. That's what we got to do. Yep. Uh, they come off downstairs, Odo's watching. Then we see like these two Klingons, Lursa uh, is one of them, and mm-hmm. they are expecting a they go off to kind of in the corner with Tana and they are expecting a payment. And Odo, shapeshifter and all, he's able to, to see this and report on it back to Cisco that the two Klingons were there to talk to Tana and they're expecting some payment that Tana doesn't have for them right now. Yep. So we get the, the the update with Odo and Cisco, and Cisco decides not to read Kira into this yet, which is interesting. I feel like there's this dance of trust going on between Kira and Cisco. Yeah. So and yeah, it's it's not clear that they completely trust each other yet both ways.
1: right. Um, and I think in this time, we had a fairly early call from Kira to uh, Cisco's superior, an admiral, um, where she's sort of complaining about his handling of what's going on. And then we haven't seen anything happening since then. And so I guess my read on a lot of what happens until they directly address it is Cisco knows about it and isn't like super happy about it. Sure. And so he's not ready to read her in.
0: Yeah. So... They then go to so the the two Cardassians then go to our guy uh, Garrick's shop, and this is when we get the fantastic scene where Garrick's like, "I got some, I got some laundry for you," and she's like, "I will rip your fucking head off," and he's like, "Okay, I don't. I'm just kidding. I don't know shit. Like, I'm just chilling," and and she's like, "No." I think you represent the Cardassians here. And he's like, a little old me. And then she, they're like, yeah, <laughs> you, and um, we can deliver this guy to you. We can deliver that uh, Ton to you, this guy. Yeah. And uh, he's like, ah, oh, oh, well in that case, let me, uh, let me give you a number. And they're like, fuck your number. And he's like, all right, let's just haggle. We got to talk about this.
1: Yeah. Um, and so that, that's one of the funny things for me is just like, he's clearly more than just a tailor clearly has some backstory. Um, but also the let's haggle is just such a funny thing because, um, that's not really what either of their species are known for. Um, and is, but is just like such a good representation of like where they're at, at this point.
0: Right. So they're going to haggle. Kira comes walking in to see, uh, Tana and Kira says, she, I got the votes. I got the votes. I got all of them. You're golden. Everything is straight. Everything is good. And he's like, you're a politician. What the f-? Like, he just hurls that word at her in a really sort of like aggressive way. And she's just she continues to be confused by this guy because she is trying to help him clearly. She clearly has sympathies for him. And he just keeps needling her and keeps sort of being a prick about it. Yeah. And then we get the reveal that he has not revoked Kanmei. Uh, Kanmai right like he still is in the group he's still doing he's still this is part of a mission and he actually explains he's like look part of what I gambled on here is that I could convince you to give me a small ship well I got some notes for the guy I got a couple notes Um, if part of your gamble is that you are able to convince someone to eh, commit fraud uh, break some laws bust you out of jail whatever whatever thing is right like the, the sort of risky thing you're asking your relatively uh, casual acquaintance to do maybe not be rude to them. The first 20 minutes of the episode like that. That's my notes for, for this guy. He seems like he sucks.
1: Um, He does
0: say they're going to get everything they ever wanted though. So that
1: that ends the scene. Um, I will say that I think while his needling was very shitty, he's also pushing her away from the politics of the situation. It was just like, Hey, like you used to be, you know, one of the, one of the real fighters, like what happened? Like what happened to you? Like you're,
0: you're going about this differently. If I'm him, I'm going to say we, we, I love, I love the commitment that you're showing to be with these awful people, (laughs) to be with these terrible people that I know you hate too, that I know you hate doing this job and I know it sucks, but you're, but you're so great for doing it. Oh, by the way, I've got another, I got another path for you. Let's go blow up a fucking wormhole.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Anyway, cut to Garrick. I'm always happy we cut to Garrick. You know what? I'm with you. I like Garrick a lot. Quark's still my guy. Garrick, number two. He walks up to the doctor. More more Garrick and doctor talk. <laughs> Garrick is like, look, we have got to get you a new fucking suit, dude. And it's got to be at 2055 tonight. You got me? You got me? Do you? Got it? Hint? Got it? Hint? Got it? And our doctor doesn't have it. He really doesn't. <laughs>
1: He's so clueless. <laughs> he it's doesn't have like, it. Uh He's, I,
0: the, he's so he's he is clueless. It he, is in a comical way, but you know they've they've written it and they've acted it to a T because he's still endearing at this point.
1: Yeah, he's still endearing, and it's also I think a surprise. Like it's a very good choice by Garrick because if you had to choose anybody in the main crew that you knew had no ulterior motives, like. At least at this point, Bashir doesn't, couldn't figure out what an ulterior motive was. He's, I mean, he's not dumb, but he's not politically savvy.
0: That's an interesting word, dumb, right? Because you can be dumb and not dumb. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you could be, you could be real good at this stuff and not good at this stuff, and so like, it's a it's a, you know, he, I think socially he's he's pretty inept, and yeah, Garrick has picked up on that, and he he also understands how inept he is because he realizes that in order to get him to do what he wants him to do, which is to come and listen, come in and hang out in the shop to hear what he's hearing from yeah. the Klingons, he's got to beat this guy over the head with it, and it still wasn't enough, by the way. It yeah. wasn't Oh, I mean, he oh was yeah. Like, he didn't show up on time. To, like it's just. 2055, 2055, 2055. And he still goes to Cisco and is like, I don't know.
1: He wants me to buy a suit or something? And and yeah, Cisco's like, yeah, I think you need to buy a suit. Like, (laughs) I don't don't know how much more everybody can spell it out for you. Um, So these conversations reminded me of um, at some point you and I and uh, our buddy Spencer were talking about basically certain like managerial social situations in terms of like, you know, just interacting with people at your level and above you in like a business situation. And you're like, Oh, you just do this, this, this. And we're both like, what, what are you talking about? Like, and like you explained it some more and it's like, Oh yeah, that does make sense. But like, you had to like walk us through the entire thing and very appreciative of the advice, but this is very much a like Bashir's not dumb. He he's clearly a good doctor, but like statecraft, spycraft, he's he's got a lot to learn.
0: Yeah, and he might for have sure. a good teacher. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I certainly did a lot of this with our buddy Spencer. Do a lot of it on the podcast that we're on. Um, <laughs> the uh, real real famous moment where. Um, Two, we were we were on the the Ted Lasso podcast that we did, which was the Lasso Lowdown. Fantastic podcast, if you, uh, I, I would say, uh, I will boast and say it's a fantastic podcast. We're a fantastic a lot, show, lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, that Spencer and I did followed every single episode of Ted Lasso. In that, one of the characters is potentially likes another character, and he goes, "I don't think he, I don't, I don't think he likes her." I mean, you know, like when she comes, he's not even looking at her, and I was like. Spencer Spencer let me let, so <laughs> do, this is your threshold for if a guy likes a girl if he just sits and stares at her like you're not <laughs> like, come on buddy like get with the program here yeah I think this is what Garrick is having to do here with our our, our doctor I, I do sense some character growth for our friend doctor though I do not think he will be this way the entire series I think we're going to see some growth
1: yeah just a little bit
0: yeah uh, so Cisco asked Kira like Are you feeling good about these other two guys are you? And the fact that Cisco is asking the question should give you a hint of how he feels about the other two guys. And she seems eh, not really, not really that aware. Doctor comes in and he's like, I don't know. He wants me to buy a suit at two fifty five. And Cisco's like, uh, OK, yeah. So that means more than what you think it means. And you are going to go there at two fifty five. And he goes, OK, I'll do that. And then he gets there at two fifty eight. So he sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, doctors are, are known for being late for appointments. So, you know, it's just on par. Um. I think this is around when we get the uh, scene with Cisco and Kira where Cisco's basically like, yep, I'll go out on a limb with these for these other guys. Um, and, you know, we'll do what we can. But don't you ever go over my head ever again, because I will come back after you like that. This is not acceptable. Um, and yeah,
0: he does say that to her. Are we um, at that point?
1: Yeah. I, I And I, I think he did as you were saying, like, earlier, like, a really good job of handling it, where it's, like, a, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to penalize you for making this misstep. I'm not going to take it out on the guys that you're trying to bring into the fold or anything else, but I know about it. We'll probably talk about this again, but, like, you should understand that this is a problem. Um, And... Yeah. I mean, hundred
0: I- percent. He says that to her. Yeah. He, he, you can click, you look, Hey, look, I, I have people who report to me in my job. I've got bosses above me when they do the jump thing, when they go for, over me to my boss, there is like, I, there is, it's so incredibly frustrating, uh, yep. for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I, 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 when he, as soon as he did it, like I felt that cause I was like, Oh God, that, 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 that certainly has happened to me before. And the thing is is you don't want you don't want to appear so um what's the right word you don't want to appear so sort of like um raw or scared for your position or vulnerable mm-hmm. that you snap on the person under you you want to display confidence like yeah go ahead and talk to him talk talk to any VP you want to it's fine but every time that happens, the VP comes to you and goes, what the fuck? Exactly like what happened here. But they're like, yeah. you can't control your own people. Like, this is a fucking joke that they're having to come to me. So yep. it, it it played out exactly like my real world experience with these situations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other thing that well, I don't have get... it
0: in my notes at this point, which is kind of confusing me. Um, but anyway, maybe I missed it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um... And, like, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was somewhere, like, around this point. Um, The other thing that we get at some point is Kira is doing some research on the Kanma. And I, like, briefly saw the tablet that she was working on, and it was spelled, like, K-O-H-N. And I was like, oh, well, I spelled it incorrectly, and I was about to change it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to change, like, my notes because I've already written it, like, four or five times. Um, And then I noticed that IMDB had it also spelled... Differently, which I thought was very funny. I mean, I guess their excuse could be like she was probably reading it in Bajaran, but like um, that seems like a flimsy excuse.
0: It does. <laughs> All right. So the pretense thing is interesting. Mm-hmm. The conversation with Odo. I think um, I think the conversation with Kira and Odo. Getting getting some getting some spice from Odo here. Like, like he because she comes in and she's clearly like wasting time and he's like. He sniffs that out in a fucking heartbeat. Like you're not gonna like just jaw with him at the water cooler. Like that's not an Odo thing. And what we sense from Kira here is that she's actually having like a bit of a crisis of confidence. She doesn't know if the job that she's doing is the job she wants to do or should be doing. And she also knows that one way or another, she's gonna to have to betray somebody because she's either yep. gonna to have to go to Cisco and say, "Hey, he, this is actually kind of a con, and he wants me to steal a ship," and blah blah blah, blah. or he's gonna to have, to, she's gonna to have to go. Um, to her guy and, uh, you know, sell him out uh, either way. Right. Or, you know, or no, go to go. I'm sorry. um, Yeah. Play the other side.
1: Sell sell out Cisco or sell out. uh,
0: Right. Give, give the ship, which sells out Cisco. Right. Yeah, exactly. So she's got to either give the ship or she's got to tell tell about the ship either way she's picking. And that's tough. I mean, you know, like people I've seen that in the real world, right? Like uh, people, you work for a company for like 15 years and then you go to a competitor. And then you got to like, you're, you're being told at the competitor, you got to like step on the boot, uh, put the boot on the neck of the, of the company he used to work for. Shout out Cody Rhodes. He's having to deal with that right now. He's killing AEW over in WWE. I told you there'd be more wrestling references <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's difficult. And I it. think that she, that's her old job. This is her new job and they're kind of button heads and it's not easy. These are the moments I like the Kira character, the character, character who's like, ah, I was like screaming, like sort of crazy. Yep. I get why it's there and I, they've actually given us a cultural explanation for it in episode one because they said, oh, hey, Bajoran women, they're kind of like hot-headed." Like they they tried to explain it because yeah. she was acting it that way. I still just don't like what I'm seeing on screen when she does that. But th- in these moments, it's good.
1: Yeah. Um, and we get the line. Uh, it was so much easier when we knew who the enemy was. And it's such a good.
0: Yeah. I uh, that one earlier.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you referenced it earlier. And, and this is like where I think we really see it. And we we get that odo is kira's confidant um and he knows her well enough that and sort of like maybe people in general but he sort of knows her well enough to like pry this out of her
0: yeah agreed so odo says something about ostriches sticking their neck their heads in water uh <laughs> <laughs> what what is this like four, in, in 40 in 40,000 years ostriches are going to move from sand to water? Um
1: it they I think that that there are a number of times where you get these really weird funny uh the writers want to use a turn of phrase like an ostrich burying its head in the sand and then you get like all right well what if it's a space ostrich stretch? And what do space ostriches do? Well, they, they put their heads in water and they can drown when they're trying to avoid stuff. And you get weird. Like, I don't remember what the, uh, like, Tarkalian ostrich or, you know, whatever it was. And it's just like, this is this is silly, but I get the point.
0: You've got the Dark One's own luck. Winter is coming. Like, there's a bunch of them yeah, in yeah. Star Wars where they, they, they take, like, a real world thing that people say, and then they just sort of, like fantasy it uh into their into their world um totally get it it's kind of funny to me though odo goes ahead uh, uh, (laughs) though here's the thing about odo you do not want to give confession to odo because she's halfway through this sort of decision or maybe three quarters of the way and he's just like hey cisco i got somebody here for you (laughs) damn yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of like makes a decision for. Um, then we get Garrick and the doctor again. He goes in the changing room three minutes late. Just want to point that out. What a dope. And the Klingons come in. So he gets to hear all of this about, hey, you pay us. We'll, we'll deliver this guy. Yeah. Then we then he hears the piece that when connected to the piece that Kira has about he's trying to get a ship, he's trying to get out. You know, He's trying to go X, Y, Z. And it's this piece about the bellitrium. Which is apparently a powerful source of energy, and if you have an antimatter converter, you can really weaponize this stuff. You can create a massive amount of energy like enough to kill like four or five planets or something like they 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 give they give a little sense of scale for us later in the episode that it's it's a really big deal how much getting these two pieces of, of equipment or resources together uh yeah. what what would happen there
1: they're scaling up a pocket nuke they're scaling up the like this will destroy a city to like the the scale sure. that we're we're playing around in, right? Um, big bomb. Yeah, big bomb. Bad.
0: Yeah. So they cook up a plan where it's like, all right. Well, we can't just like det- like we're not Minority Report. We can't just detain him because we know this is what he wants to do. And so, like, yeah, they all kind of agree, and Kira even agrees reluctantly. Of like, yeah, we just got to kind of like fuck him. Like, we got to let him go do the the crime and then bust him. Yep. And Kira's like, it's only going to work if I go with him. And she kind of talks Cisco through that Cisco is as much as there's not a hundred percent trust there. He doesn't like putting her in danger, but she, she convinces him that's what they have to do. And so Cisco and O'Brien, O'Brien, by the way, also killing it this episode. I like that guy. They, <laughs> they go off on a ship and just sort of shut everything down to wait for him to get there. Yeah. And it's to the wormhole is where they're going.
1: Yep. Um, so one of the things that we get um, and I, I don't know. This is probably my third or fourth watch through the season. Um, And I didn't realize that we had this early that uh, O'Brien has dealt with the Cardassians before and has some knowledge about like their tactics with prisoners and the like fighting Cardassians.
0: Correct. Yes. And so they are sitting there. Waiting, uh, guy comes. He's got the he's got the he's got the thing for the yeah, bomb. He's got the
1: bomb. Yep. He's, he's got, got the bomb, gun.
0: and he's uh, he, he's got Kira with him. And it takes a little while before Kira kind of tips her hand that she's not really in on this deal, yep. but she does. And when she does, there is a uh, kind of a, a fight there. He punches her, and they kind of go back and forth. Yep. And they see the oh yeah and, and he gets he gets the bomb right by um what's the word again for the for the klingons coming bringing the klingons into the ship
1: uh transporting yeah
0: transporting the klingons in the ship they do they do yep. the deal then he's got everything and then that's when our guy cisco like fine now we got 10 minutes left in the episode you know we're gonna ramp up and then you know cisco to brian figure this out they follow so then we learn that his plan is to go blow this thing up in front of the wormhole like at the the, the beginning of the wormhole. And I never really understood his purpose for that because Kira explains the wormhole as a sort of economic engine for the area, that this would be really big for Bajorn. And he's like, I'm basically, I'm going to go like suicide bomb, this thing to destroy it. And I never got an understanding of why he needed to do that.
1: So my guess and like every different factions have different ideas. Uh, but my guess is that at this point the the wormhole represents how Bajor gets to be part of the federation that you know, is a major player at like the uh intergalactic table. And so if basically what this dude wants is to be like Bajor is on their own separate doing their, Bajor thing without the Cardassians and without anybody else um, this is like basically a way to remove them from intergalactic politics or galactic politics Um, and for whatever reason like he views the Federation coming in as basically another semi-oppressive government trying to take over um, yeah, he
0: doesn't he clearly doesn't draw much of a distinction between the Federation and the Cardassians, which I think yeah. is um, shows a lack of nuance on his part, for sure.
1: Yeah, um, it, it's I mean, we'll get more of sort of the backstory, but there I mean, the Cardassian occupation of Bajor was significant. Like there were work counts uh, like widespread starvation, stuff like that. And so, so that development
0: piece, they're still struggling on. <laughs> they don't have the yeah. second D. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and so we're so, just going
0: to enslave the planet. That's our development.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, honestly, like that very clearly is sort of how they operate. Like they they weren't going for a you know we're going to have a vassal state that you know we we prop up. This was just a like yeah we're just going to extract everything we can out of it. Um, and so. I think that's sort of the um, the question after like they finally win back the planet from Cardassia and they go, all right, well, what do we want? And so the hardliners want nothing to do with anybody. And Kira, I think, is a little like, and, and this is what we get earlier in the episode, is that she's more in that camp than the provisional she- government.
0: She was at the start of the first episode, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, and is now like, look, the provisional government is what we have. Let's, you know, do what we can to, you know, maybe guide the provisional government. But I think that's the um, the sort of thought process behind at least this terrorist faction. But the other side of it is like, you know, is there a grand plan for from this terrorist group? other than like, you know, we think doing this is gonna, you know, destabilize the provisional government and get the Federation out. I think the answer is no. And I think that's sort of one of the reasons that here is like, what are you doing?
0: Well said, I think that's, uh, that's exactly the dynamic that I, sp- I picked up on. And you framed it really interesting there in the sense that talking about the long game, how, okay, well, you do this, it, 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 basically defunds the provisional government disrupts the federation. Maybe the provisional government falls, maybe, 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 maybe all these dominoes, but they're just guessing. They're just sort of guessing. And it's not, uh, it's certainly not particularly strategic. So that's a well, you know, as well well said. So then we have the wrap up of the episode where um, what ends up getting this guy to back off and not, like blow everything up or, um, yeah, hurt hurt Kira, is the threat of the Cardassians. And I I because on this on the face of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because if he's willing to blow himself and everything up to destabilize the the region, yeah. um, and he's threatened to blow up the planets to Kira, you would sense that when all all hell started breaking loose, he'd just do it. So that either that was a bluff, which it might have been, um, or uh, it, 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 when he is told, Hey, um, you know, the Cardassians are here that that threat is more than I'm just going to turn you over to Cardassians. It's like, I'm like, it, there's this, in, I would imagine from his perspective there, it's very heavy to hear the Federation say, Hey, you fucked up so bad. I'm working with the Cardassians. Cause it's like, they are the ultimate bugaboo. And the Federation is saying, I, yeah, I've got them here with me. Like, you keep fucking around and, like, they're coming back or I'm going to work with them more or you're going to have to deal with the Cardassians more. So it felt like more of, sure, we we got in episode that he didn't want to be turned over to the Cardassians because they are not great to prisoners. We got that early on. So that that connects. But I felt like there was a little bit more danger in, oh, shit, like, this is pissed off the Federation so bad. They've pulled the Cardassians back into the picture. And that's the last fucking thing we want.
1: Yeah. I mean you know we can relate it to stuff going on in the news like if somebody if can there we was, not
0: no i'm just kidding it was just a joke <laughs> there
1: there was some faction in uh you know let's say ukraine that you know there was a threat of the eu or the us pulling funding from from that from from their their war effort or you know Choose a you know a different previous conflict where you know the uS or or EU.. has sent a warship to be like, "Hey, you know, we're presence here, and we're going to make sure that things stay you know as much on the up and up as you know whatever is going on when when they're like, "All right, well, if you don't want us here, we can leave."
0: And oh by the it's way like, right. through through door number two <laughs> yeah here, here through- here's here's the here are the guys, and you know that that clearly that that you know what's interesting about that is this sort of the role of the bad guy, you know, like when you have these unstable actors like this terrorist organization is, yeah, that is threatening a bunch of civilians, yeah to be able to say. Well, I'm the good guy, but I've also got a bad guy. I've also got an organization that you know doesn't fuck around, right? And that you can. There's yeah. a lot of different different examples of this in our real world that, like, a lot of people would say, "I don't like that way that government's run, or way that military's run, or whatever." But I guess what the show is suggesting, suggesting is that there's sometimes a place for that, which is kind of like a scary thought, which is like sometimes to quell these unstable actors the heavy hand can be useful um, because it clearly, clearly Cisco uses the Cardassians here. He uses the threat of the Cardassians to, to change this guy's behavior. I don't suspect it's the last time he'll do that with a Bajoran. So yeah. it's just an interesting idea.
1: Um, And like, I, you know, I think that again, there are a lot of examples of that, but I think under like having per, like understanding the stakes and what perspective and, and having a this is the problem if you don't have perspective is really important with so many things and like in the real world and in here and so i think having the all right but you can play this small game here but the consequences can be a lot bigger um it you know it's like it in, in magic, when every every round you have an attack and a defense round, and little things can happen, and you know your your summoned creatures can die off, but you know and and if you play it wrong, you can piss somebody off, and then you have like you know something stomping your way that that is a completely different threat than you know whatever little token was on the board, and so you know the the bigger picture uh, that stems from small small conflicts that that you know can be of various scales but um but yeah i i think that's another thing that is very inherent um in certain aspects of this show which is there is black and white in terms of like good guys and bad guys and that is used to put grayer situations into certain perspectives
0: Yeah. Okay. I got you. I'm with you. I'm following you because I I think that that's the to me that's the most interesting part of this whole episode. Yeah, uh, is the use of the Cardassians. Him saying I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna partner with you now because this guy is such a problem, and when I partner with you, I'm also going to leverage their fear of you, which is rooted in real humanitarian issues, like real things that you do that are problematic. I'm going to leverage the history of that use to compel action in an unstable actor, like morally questionable for sure. Like it's something yep. that politicians struggle with all the time. But I felt yep. like that to me, that was the most interesting part of the episode. And but that's the
1: episode. And I think that the other cool thing with the episode is that Cisco is treating the Cardassians as reasonable players of the, the political game like he, and he's bringing them into the loop in, in a certain amount. Like he, he's not per se dealing with them underhandedly. He's like, Hey, this is what's going on. You can work with me and we'll do this, but that's like, you're g- going to be your role here.
0: Yeah. Right. Yes, for sure. And that's that from Cisco's perspective, that's how he's thinking of it for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I just imagine Cisco's probably got some people on staff who, if they knew this is how he handled this situation, would be very much absolutist about the working with the Cardassians and leveraging the Bajorans' real-world fear of them that was based in this like humanitarian disaster to yeah. compel action. Like it, I, I, I suspect if he's willing to do that now, he'll do it again in the future. And it's like yeah. it's something that like I find very interesting. And it's I think you could argue both sides of it. Yeah. All right, that's it. Oh, and oh, she does tell the guy Tana the old ways don't work anymore. Everything is different now, which is a sort of interesting commentary on like globalization, resistance, and like nationalism.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: you have a lot of countries, plan- planets in this world, but countries that like there is this deep rooted nationalism of get off my lawn. Like I will, I will protect to the last. Da-da-da-da-da. And yeah. there are people now. There are people now that will tell those people like that isn't realistic. You know? Yeah. The United States is the superpower. Or, you know, so and so is who we have to work with and trade with. And we cannot be we cannot close everything out and close the world out. That is not what globalization hath brought. So yeah. I think she was just like kind of speaking that into this universe. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um I think we're done with the recap. I think we are. I I think it's interesting I um, I mean, I know, you know, this is to a certain extent a, a segment that you're going to be doing in terms of like how you view Star Trek. But um, I've more and more gone into like stuff that I'm rewatching, knowing what the IMDb score is. Ah. And so this was a 7.1. And I get why, but I also feel like it hits better than that because because I would have scored like, it higher than that. Yeah, because of, I think like the nuanced stories it tells. Um, but I also think that generally older shows get scored weaker just because you know because they're older shows, the acting is of a different era uh, and doing different things, stuff like that. but um, I think we have a, a, you know, to my mind, a solid development of what the world is.
0: Yeah. So that leads into my segment, which is like expectations for Star Wars or Star Trek versus reality. I expected more. This is very plot heavy. Very. We are telling a story and we're going to get you there quick. Like the background of the characters and the world and where we're at and all that stuff. Like they spend very little time on it. They move right into the plot of the episode. They want to tell the story and get on with it. And I feel like that, surpri- that that is a surprising thing for me because I expected a lot more background, lore, um, just stuff, right? I just didn't expect it to be quite as episodic as it is. Not that I dislike it. It's just different than my expectations. And I think that that's yeah. probably because I've heard people talk about Star Trek in, the, in totality. They're yes. talking about the whole thing. And I'm watching an episode of television. So I get that. But it's just different than what I expected.
1: Yeah. Um and I will say that um it's been an ongoing struggle that Star Trek has had. Um and I mean I definitely still still struggles with and I think a lot of series struggle with is the how do you get new viewers? Um and Well you have
0: The Rock come back and then The Rock challenges the champion even even though it breaks up the story. No, sorry, that's right.
1: Well, but but even that, like, are you bringing in non wrestling viewers?
0: No, that that's actually like, it's if I know a lot of people. No, the, the Venn diagram is me only. I am the only person in this center, right, who who is interested in this <laughs> podcast and wrestling. But that no, no, is but, actually that actually is playing out in wrestling right now in a really interesting yeah. way, which is. Do do you target the casuals or do you target the diehards? And if you right. target the casuals too hard, do you alienate the diehards? And what is de- alienating the diehards? Because they're diehards, right? Like it, it's really hard to get them not to watch your product anymore yep. because they're already in. But then what, what service are you doing to the people brought like, you know, you dance with the the person you brought. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a real complicated thing in fantasy. I think that wheel of time struggles with this. Like they're, they're yep. in trying to get the casuals. They have alienated the, the, the diehards in the fan base and they've done it so hard that the fucking fan base has stopped watching. Like they actually have stopped the product. So it's an interesting balance.
1: Yeah. Um, so I will say that a lot of people, when this came out, were alienated enough that they stopped watching. That like this was not Star Trek enough for them. Um, and because it wasn't
0: doing all of the fantasy back world, st- like the the sort of like uh, what, what do you call it? World building. There you go.
1: Um, some of the world building. So the Star Trek was predicated very much on there's a ship it goes out it meets some difficulty usually another alien species and they figure out a way to resolve it and the original series had its ways of resolving things the next generation was a lot more like we're gonna solve it by uh you know diplomacy and and guns if we have to and then Deep Space Nine came around and it's just like, hey, we're not going to go exploring. That's not what this one's about. This is, you know, we're going to do a deep dive on, all right, well, we met two alien species, they had a conflict, and we're going to work on resolving this. And a lot of people looked at that and went, yeah, that's not what Star Trek is. And it's like, well, yeah, that's what happens when the the cool ship leaves after like two days and, you know, the diplomatic corps has to come, come, come behind them and actually do something. Um, so hmm, I gotcha. Yeah.
0: Well, that makes it a very interesting thing for us to cover. Right. Because it's like we're I'm jumping into the universe and they're telling a story that's a little bit different than the archetype of the series. Yeah. And they're telling it in a, di- in a different way. Um, um, but I am I learning think- the world, though. I learned about Klingons today.
1: Yeah, uh, pain so, in the ass,
0: pain in the I, ass Klingons. That's what I yes. call them. Yes,
1: <laughs> that is a, a kind of fair assumption. Uh, the, I think that this is the the more modern of the Star Treks in terms of like a bridge between older style television and newer style television, and and that's sort of one of the reasons that I picked it. And I think you know hopefully we'll we'll both really enjoy this, and you know we'll get into the next generation down the line, and you'll see sort of what. Many people consider like the the quintessential Star Trek.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'd also don't love that gatekeeping. Star Star Wars has really really struggled with this in the fandom of like, this isn't Star Wars. This is Star Wars. Like people thinking yeah. that they they have the authority to say such a thing. Yeah to a fandom that belongs to millions of people, which is just absurd on its surface. But like people do say that, like this isn't star Wars. And I'm like, Oh wow. That that is a fantastic thing you just said. (laughs) Um, Yes. It sounds like other fandoms have dealt with it and and this show brought it out in the star Trek community. Okay. Any other segments you want to get to today?
1: Um, Just two quick ones. Uh, One is we didn't get a whole lot of spicy Odo. I, I would rate him a three out of 10. He was uh, much more a, you know, let's get to the bottom of this as opposed to to uh, being sassy with everybody. Um, he didn't have any like really sassy one liners, which, you know, he'll he'll break out every every so often. And well, he's not a
0: zero because he did in that conversation by just calling Cisco interface. So that's a little sassy.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm giving you a three out of ten, not not zero. Yeah, it's not a zero. He's got it there. Um, You know, we had a little bit of like, why can't we just arrest people? It's just so much easier. Um, But, you know.
0: Maybe a four. Let's give him a four. Let's move him up. Because of that that arrest line, I think we move up a little Um,
1: bit. And um, mostly just acknowledging because we we talked so much about it early on. But um, I'm just going to post up a Garrick watch every time we have him you know what's garrick doing who is he what's he doing uh we spent a lot of time on it but this this is going to be a recurring segment i'll probably bust out is that garrick's music when he we see do do garrick things um but but yeah um we're going to have a garrick watch
0: yeah i'm with you i would i found myself um as we went through the recap uh more excited to talk about the garrick scenes than than the others except for that last scene with uh what the cisco's decision to to use the cardassians but yeah i I, through the recap i was more interested in garrick scenes which is always a good sign for a character
1: Yep. so yeah it'll be fun to to watch develop Uh, fantastic yeah looking forward to uh the next one
0: yeah well let's do it episode by episode for a while
1: yep um there are a lot Um, of these
0: episodes so we may eventually start grouping them but for now we're going to go forward with a one episode review of episode four next week.
1: Yep, and that'll be a man
0: alone. Should be fun. All right, thanks everybody for trekking through the world of Star Trek with us. We'll be back next week to